There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to the fourth show this week. I know for a fact that more Murph in your ears every day is a better thing. Joined once again in the studio by Murph. How are you, big man? Yeah, good. Good to be back. I don't know. Four days of me is uh, a worthwhile investment of anybody's time. But hey, uh, you haven't got a choice, I suppose, now because it's happened. So um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cheers. So today we are joined by, well, quite a big guest for us, I suppose. He's a... Uh, Podcast host of Fits on Fantasy and contributor to the com. It's Pat Fitzmaurice. Pat, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Oh, Stocks and Murph, great to be with you guys. Uh, it's been a busy week. I know it has been a very busy week for you guys with the extra shows, but uh, it's a fun time of year, all the roster turnover. Yeah, it has. You know, we were just talking before we hit the record button that we weren't expecting so many deals to have happened uh, before the free agency deadline. And yet half the NFL's 101 list has, has gone off and free agency uh, before it even opened. So um, it's been a busy week for everyone and, and no doubt for you as well. But we appreciate you carving some time out of the diary to, to do this. i big fan of your podcast. Um, we listened to it. Um, picked it up in the new year when Mike Tagliere was on and then um, started listening to some of the older ones as well. You've had a, a great array of, uh, of guests, uh, Evan Silver, um, and you've had uh, your Mike from the Fancy Footballers on, didn't you, or was it Jason? Uh, Mike, yes. Oh, it was Mike. I 
thought I got that right to begin with. Um, <laughs> and then I sort of tricked myself out of it. Um, you, yeah, you have, um, and Sigma Bloom was one of my favorites you had on. Um, I really enjoyed that podcast. Um, really some of the insights you, you get a lot of big hosts in the, the fantasy world. So, uh, credit to you, but I guess just to sort of start, um, how did you sort of get into football and talking about it for a living, especially the fantasy football side? Oh, well, thanks for the kind words about the podcast, first of all. But, uh, well, like a lot of your listeners, probably, I've loved sports since early childhood. And uh, I'm quite certain I've got a few years on you, lads. So I've actually been an avid follower of, of American football since the late 1970s. And uh, as for fantasy football, I was introduced to it by a friend in college at university, as you gents would say. And uh Started my own league back in the 1990s that still continues to this day. Wow. And other friends have started leagues or, or started leagues shortly after I started mine and invited me to play. And then uh, in the late 90s, I saw that an American football magazine called Pro Football Weekly had an opening for an editor. And I had studied journalism and was working as an editor at the time. And I was a regular reader of Pro Football Weekly. So I applied, got the job, moved 80 miles south to Chicago, and fantasy football was becoming more popular at the time, and fantasy coverage was a big component of that job. So even though I left Pro Football Weekly after about three years, I left on good terms and was asked to keep contributing fantasy content to their website, and so I did. And uh I don't know if I was the first person to do weekly in-season fantasy rankings. Probably not, but I think I was among the first. I started doing that back in 2000. So, uh, yeah, I guess I've been at it for a while now, and it's uh, just something I enjoy. And as long as, um, you know, I don't get too busy, I, I think I'm going to continue to do it. But I've, I've so far managed to keep it up through a day job and uh, two children and a marriage and, uh, you know, still I, I keep plugging away at it. So it's, it's fun. That's such a cool story. I, um, I, I, I moved to America for a few years in the year 2000 and, uh, you know, I got into fantasy football pretty quickly with some classmates, but I used to go and sit in the Barnes and Nobles and read uh, Pro Football Weekly and other magazines that are on the shelf to try and get some tips because obviously this is before content was really readily available on the internet um, and people were making money off it and doing what they were. So um, that used to be my Saturday ritual was, was going yeah. and read those articles. So it's, uh, it's fascinating that, you know, it's like a different world. People today get spoiled. It's all on demand with podcasts and uh, two clicks and you can find everything you need. Oh, it was. Yeah. Some of the, uh, another old timer, Jody Smith, who works for uh, fantasy pros. He and I were talking about, we, we both started playing fantasy football in the nineties back when, uh, you know, pre internet basically. And we would do scores by hand and sometimes, you know, mail scores from all the fantasy games to out of town participants in the league. It was just, uh, not at all like it is today, but so much has changed for the better. Still kind of, uh, fun to remember those prehistoric years though. Yeah. I just think it's it's quite a fun way of, of, of having to have done it. I, I, I started doing a, a different league for a while, um, not for fantasy football, but for fantasy Premier League, because the draft concept has only really taken off here in the last couple of years. But I've had a private league for the last five or six years. 
and I still do the scores by hand in a, in a notebook. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I still live some of that proper retro because it's a private league. It's just with friends for all of us to keep together. And um, with the draft system, it's done on an Excel spreadsheet. I have a website for it, but do all the scoring through pen and paper because uh, rather than calculate all the points by hand i just use a website and use their scoring and then just write it all down from there and then transport it to the website so that's how i calculate it so uh, i'm still in touch with the old ways i'm one of the old generation <laughs> well, i'm pleased that i jumped in on the digital age if i'm honest it all sounds very difficult <laughs> it's fun it had soul back there they built character true uh, true yeah, that's true <laughs> so pat who, who's your nfl team and why oh it's the green bay packers uh, I grew up in the city of Milwaukee in the state of Wisconsin, and so Packer fandom was inherited. Green Bay was about, I don't know, 60, 50 or 60 miles to the north. Um, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm sort of middle-aged, and so I grew up watching some horrible Packers teams in the late 70s and 1980s, but then uh, Brett Favre and Reggie White came along in the 1990s, and Aaron Rodgers followed Brett Favre, so I've been pretty lucky for the last quarter century or so. That's uh, yeah, what what a time! I mean, it's probably not been as successful over the last few years, but to have seen the Super Bowls and the players that have come through there, historic franchise. That's uh, that's that's pretty neat. Um, not everyone gets that experience, so consider yourself on the right side of history and luck there. <laughs> yeah, and so much of it is having a good quarterback, and to have had one Hall of Fame quarterback followed by another. It's just so fortunate. Really, the only uh, other instance of that happening is, is in San Francisco with Joe Montana and Steve Young. So, um, you know, just an incredible stroke of luck. And I, I certainly understand how lucky I am to have had that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure after Aaron Rodgers is gone, I'm going to be forced to watch a team with terrible quarterbacking for years to come. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can. I think that's a bit harsh on Jacksonville. I mean, they have Blake Bortles and then followed them up with Nick Foles. So, you know, <laughs> you're saying they're not Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Your, your hate for Nick Foles needs to stop there. I'm telling you. <laughs> I hate Nick Foles. That, that's two shows in a row you've gunned the poor guy. I mean, come on. He's just out there earning money. That's not his fault. Okay. Okay. So, who's the best person you've interviewed for a column or podcast and why? Well, I guess I would have to split that into two categories because I got to interview a lot of actual NFL players and coaches for articles and columns when I was working for Pro Football Weekly. So, um, you know, in that regard, my favorite was probably Dermani Dawson, who's now uh, a Hall of Famer, former center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but I know you and your listeners are probably more interested in getting a name from the fantasy realm. And, uh, oh, man, that's a top one. I've had some really good guests on the podcast and it's hard to narrow it down. Um, you know, a lot of terrific conversations with people and really there hasn't been a bad guest so far, but maybe the best episode I think I've had so far was with Matthew Friedman of fantasy labs. Matt and I just sort of clicked really well on that episode. And um, you know, I, I think we go into these shows with sort of an outline of what we want to talk about. And uh Matt was maybe the one guest where I felt like I could have just crumpled up the outline and thrown it away and just had a conversation off the cuff with him for a full hour. But uh, yeah, he's just a really, really sharp guy and uh, maybe not quite as active on Twitter as a lot of other analysts, but I would urge your listeners to check out Matt's 
podcast for the Action Network because he's a really good host. Yeah, for sure. We definitely will do. And uh, guys, definitely check that out. If uh, We'll give a shout out at the end for where they can find your podcast and, and uh, they can go back and listen to them. Because well, I think what I, what I do like about your podcast, and I go back into it a little bit, is, um, you know, it, there isn't anything that's very time specific. So it doesn't feel there's maybe a, the odd piece of news and, and topical area, but it, it, it's mainly talking about the game and and the theory behind things and the, the strategy and just the overall themes and topics that you can take out advice and, and use that for years. So it's, it's kind of timeless in that way, which is good. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm glad that comes across. And, uh, you know, I do, I do like to keep it somewhat current, you know, if there's any like major player news or, or there's sort of a guy uh, breaking out or a guy going into the tank or whatever. I want to talk about that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I do kind of like the big picture stuff. And then I also sort of like to get into some off-topic foolishness with guests where we, you know, argue uh, argue about what the greatest Beatles album is or, uh, you know, debate whether, uh, you know, what kind of, what whether Chicago has better pizza than New York or uh, I've got to argue like off-topic stuff with people too, so. Well, I've got a couple of those questions maybe for the end I haven't put in, so we can we can get to those. But it oh, excellent, excellent beer talk and food talk, so that's fine. We got those. Um, the question I always like to ask people is: um, a lot of our listeners are, especially with the podcast age, um, looking to either start a podcast or start writing. So, what sort of advice would you give to people who want to do this as a passion, whether it's football or soccer or whatever it is they they kind of want to do? Like, what advice would you give to to start and uh, get them on their way? I would say uh, don't plan on being able to make a living doing this. Sorry about the phone in the background, guys. That's all right. I know that uh, that might be unwelcome news to those who aspire to make a, a healthy salary in the fantasy sports world, but uh, there just simply aren't many people who are able to do it for a living full time. And, uh, you know, there are more and more people every year who aspire to that sort of career. So the odds just kind of simply aren't in your favor, but uh, you gentlemen have jobs in other fields. I have a full-time job in another, another field, and I'm just kind of happy to create contents about a hobby I love and, and feel lucky that I can maybe make just you know a small amount of beer money on it. Uh, but, you know, again, it is a small sum of money, and there's certainly avenues for people who want to write fantasy articles if you're willing to work for free or cheap. And anyone can do a podcast, though there might be some minor production expenses, I guess. Um, so I guess just the, the takeaway is do it out of love and not for money. Yeah, I think that's a good well, one. That's what we do. Yeah. yeah. You know, you you got to love it to move into your mother's garage and build a studio in the, <laughs> that, that isn't insulated in the British winters. So we certainly have a love for it and, and just enjoy putting stuff out there for people to listen. I mean... No one, we certainly didn't expect to get the amount of listeners we get just talking rubbish about fantasy football in the weekly. It's just, it's bizarre and we love it. So Definitely. seeing as we are a fantasy football podcast, Pat, let's talk about your fantasy season in 2018. How did your season go? How many leagues did you play in? Did you win any of those leagues? Well, let's see. Um, across my various leagues, I would say the composite regular season record was pretty good, but Week 15 was just an abject disaster. I think I got something like, uh, 
I know six out of either nine or ten leagues in uh, six. Yeah, six out of nine or ten went to the playoffs, and then five of the six lost in week fifteen. It was just one of those weeks where uh, a lot of really good players laid eggs, and a lot of those egg layers happened to be on my teams. So. Not an awful year overall, but unfortunately, I'll always remember it for the bloodbath in week 15. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the total count for leagues, uh, let's see, it's four home leagues, which are all redraft, um, two dynasty leagues, one of which is the Fantasy Pros Dynasty League, where I inherited an orphan team from TV analyst James Coe, and uh, the other in overtime Ireland league with a bunch of mostly Irish fellows. And uh, let's see, I think there were three or four, I can't remember if it's three or four other so-called industry leagues, including the giant 720 team Scott Fishbowl and uh, the highly competitive Chicago media league that I'm in with a bunch of other fantasy analysts who live here in Chicago. And that's a fun one because we always do a live draft in a pub somewhere in the city. Um, I think that's about it. 10 feels like too much, but uh, that's where I'm at. And I don't know if I'll be scaling back or not. Probably not as much as I'd like to. Stocks is shaking his head because he was in considerably more than 10 leagues last year. Yep. What, what was the count stocks? 25. Oh, man. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I swore that I would never do as many as last year, but I seem to have found my way into nine dynasty leagues already this offseason. So yeah. um, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm out. I think I need help. <laughs> it's, it's worth saying that some of those we're co, we're co-managing together. So at least we can share the, the load, etc. Because uh, yeah, but even then, you have to be involved, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. there's two of us. Two of us are better than one, you know. But I, you know, it's something I enjoy doing. I enjoy I enjoy cheering for every single player in the league because then you can't lose, can you? Really, that's my view on it. It's like backing every horse in a horse race. You you we're gonna win. It is nice. Improve your odds. But it's just those, uh, those nights of putting in waiver claims can get difficult. Yeah, you were spending like three hours a night uh, doing it. for No, no, three hours a week setting lineups. Yeah, that was tough. Man. But, uh, you know, well, what do you think is going to change in 2019 for fantasy football, Pat? Oh, what is going to change? Um, for, for me personally, I mean, I don't think there are going to be any philosophical shifts, to be honest. Uh, it's just, you know, trying to keep tabs on changing player values. And, um, you know, for the most part, I guess I'm going to have the same approach, which is just uh, try to patiently hunt value in drafts. And uh, in season, I'll just try to stay alert to some changes in player usage so that I can stay on top of the waiver wire and, and try to maybe make some beneficial trades. So, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see any new trends. I, I think we've been you know, trending upward and in, in passing game over running game for a while now. And, uh, you know, that's probably going to either hold steady or continue. But, um, you know, personally, the approach is, is probably going to be pretty similar. I know that's a boring answer, but. No, I, I agree with you. I got I got a question that it's just sort of, uh, it's something we talked about earlier on, um, Stocks and I, when we were recording, and it's about Saquon Barkley. Would you have any concerns of him going, say, top one, top two in, in fantasy drafts with the news of Odell Beckham Jr. leaving and going to the Browns? 
uh, without much sort of in return helping them on that offense? Or would you still be quite happy to take him there for sort of gut early reaction? Appreciate not all the analytics can be run yet. That, that is one of the things I'm going to be looking at a little more carefully tonight when I sit down maybe with a glass of wine and look at some of these rankings and how things are going to have to change with the player movement. I, I thought he was kind of an easy number one uh, before this. And in fact, I, I did a, um, a best ball draft last week or a week and a half ago and, and got the first pick and took Barkley and thought it was kind of a no-brainer pick. Um, you know, now with, with no – no Beckham to balance things out a little. Um, you know, even though they just signed Kevin Zeitler, who's a, a very good guard, uh, I'm going to have to look at it. And I, I am going to have to consider Ezekiel Elliott, I think, now in that top spot as a possibility. And I'm not sure if um, the Beckham trade will push Elliott past Barkley, but I think it's a lot closer for me than it was uh, 24 hours ago. And, you know, especially with Elliott's usage in the passing game uh, increasing so much last year, okay, I mean, he might actually be the safer play. But Barkley is pretty special too. So, uh, you know, I, I do think they're going to be one and two, but it's just a question of whether I move Elliott past Barkley and I'm, I'm undecided as of now. Yeah, I, I said that a little bit. My worry is you get that feeling now with the Giants, they're almost like 2016 Cowboys where it's Dak and, and Zeke and nothing else um, to really aim at. And I'm kind of worried that model is going to come true and you kind of almost stack the box uh, on Barkley to, to cut down his production because the threat isn't there and Eli not going to be necessarily dropping back with much to aim at. So that's my worry, but obviously you have to see what's going to happen with the draft and, now they've got two first-round picks, so they get a wide receiver talent in there. And or Do they go in free agency and try and splash for someone? Yeah, and it, fewer touchdowns for that offense, to be sure. I mean, that's the thing. It, it might be really difficult for Barkley to get to double figures in touchdowns with that offense looking so anemic uh, everywhere except but with him. No, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, it's not all over yet for the Giants and – Hopefully they improve uh, with where they need to. But I guess time will tell in the coming days and weeks. So um, I just have one final question on, on sort of the, the fantasy football uh, season that you had. And what's your favorite format that you like to play now for fantasy football? So I had zero dynasty teams just a couple of years ago. Um, and as I mentioned, I now have two. And the format is really starting to grow on me. And if, if I do a league like that, I want it to be dynasty. I don't like keeper leagues where you just keep like two guys every season. I, I think you either go dynasty or start from scratch. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely warming to the dynasty format. But that said, I think my favorite format is still redraft starting anew every year. And um, for scoring format, I think I still prefer standard over PPR which um, I think probably puts me in the minority now. I just, I don't like PPR very much because I think it sort of skews actual player value um, in sort of weird ways. And I think the only purpose it really usefully serves is to dilute the effect of touchdown variance. And, um, you know, I, and I understand that, that 
they're the the fluky two touchdown games and you know you don't like losing to uh the guy who gets the uh the first two touchdown game of Devonte parker's career for instance. <laughs> <laughs> but you know in a couple of my home leagues we've actually solved that to our satisfaction by making touchdowns worth fewer points worth four instead of worth six uh so yeah i i guess i'm still at heart a redraft guy because i just like sort of completely resetting the draft board every year and uh you know trying to figure out that first round and and all the subsequent rounds nice yeah well with that being said redraft being your favorite how do you prepare for all those redraft leagues and your drafts you're doing in them um, if, if I know what my spot is going to be, I'll do some mock drafts in advance, but for the most part, I don't necessarily set a strategy in stone before drafts. Um, you know, I just like to hunt value and the places where you can find pockets of value tend to change from draft to draft. But, uh, here's a key thing, I guess. So picking the right players in fantasy football, as you guys know, is pretty hard, but I think it's easier to, avoid the wrong players and every year there are always a couple dozen players that I just consider totally untouchable at their ADP and I think my instincts about avoiding certain players tend to be a lot better than my instincts about which players to acquire Um, but still that's an easy and sort of important part of fantasy football just avoiding the traps and you know, I think if you can do that, you're kind of ahead of the game. And, you know, if you're not wasting picks, it gives you better odds of hitting on actually useful players. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, you know, I think one of the expressions I took very early, uh, early doors and play fantasy football is you can't win your league at the draft, but you can certainly lose it. Exactly. And the, uh, you know, avoiding the red flag players fits that philosophy perfectly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So thinking about just strategy through the season then, have you got some tips for our listeners of things to keep tabs on uh, through the season, maybe a little bit of prep before the season, just a couple of things they can uh, take away that will help them for those that maybe only been playing a couple of years? Um, Yeah, I mean, one thing I kind of took out of last year that just last year sort of underscored it. I I guess we're always trying to find the players from good offenses, obviously, but um, last year just sort of really underscored the importance, I think, of investing in healthy ecosystems. If you believe in a team's play caller and its quarterback and it isn't going to be a team that's undermined by a, a bad offensive line, then that's probably a team in which you should have some investments. And Last year, I was pretty fortunate to have placed some bets on the Rams and the Chiefs and the Saints, who all had very healthy offensive ecosystems. And those bets, I think, mostly paid off, at least until it all came crashing down in week 15. Um, You know, the Kareem Hunt suspension sort of killed me in a dynasty league where I'd gotten off to a good start. And Sammy Watkins didn't really pan out in a couple of leagues. And Uh, the Saints sort of hit the wall down the stretch in the regular season, which was part of why I went down in flames in week 15. But for the most part, investing in Rams and Chiefs and Saints 
paid off pretty well. And this year I think we're going to need to add the Browns to that basket of teams with healthy ecosystems. And uh, I think my Packers have a reasonable chance of being such a team again. And, you know, maybe the Chargers too. So uh, always good to be on the lookout for those teams, I guess. Yeah, I, f- I throw the Buccaneers in there for this year with Bavarians. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, we do. I mean, if they can just, uh, you know, find a, a real running back. I don't I don't think you're going to get one. I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of Rojo. I think Rojo is going to come through and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, he might not. It might all fall apart in flames, but um, I don't see them signing. If they don't have the money, there's not much out there. I can't see them going for Tevin Coleman. So, uh Famous last words, he'll probably sign for the Buccaneers <laughs> by the weekend. But um, I can't see it. I think I think they're going to roll with Rojo and they maybe just bring back Peyton Barber and just have them as a tandem. Oh, man. Interesting. I, I think they're, they're going to have to draft at least one, and I think that's a place where you would be, um, you know, if, if there's a certain rookie running back you like, that would be an ideal landing spot for someone like um, – I don't know David Montgomery if you're a fan of his or uh, either Jones or Harris from Alabama so but yeah that passing game should certainly be healthy with Bruce Arians so they're going to be fun to watch yeah they are I'm looking forward to it um it's going to be a fun fun time that's for sure so 2019 what have you got any early takes for the 2019 fantasy season uh stay away from Derrick Henry uh, <laughs> he's he's someone I just don't believe in at all and um, I just generally have a disdain for running backs who don't catch passes and you know especially if you are playing in a, a league where it's PPR or half PPR uh, you know just there are limited avenues to value for those guys in, in those types of leagues and even in regular standard scoring leagues um, you know, and Henry certainly isn't a pass catcher. He was great down the stretch last year, and that's, you know, made this indelible impression on fantasy owners. But his best games were, let's see, there was, uh, you know, the Thursday night game against a Jacksonville defense that had just quit on the season uh, against a terrible New York Giants defense, against a very leaky Washington Redskins run defense. Um, yeah, and again, I just think that in PPR and half PPR leagues especially, the weekly floor for Henry is just going to be so low, uh, especially when he's going against defenses that play the run well. So he is a guy I suspect that I will not own in any league this year. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds like your disdain for him is very much like my uh, disdain for uh, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> no, yeah. He – I think he's kind of another guy and I, I loved him in college. I thought he was going to be a fantastic pro, but you know, a guy who's got these chronic foot issues, like that's just, that's not something you want to take your chances on at least until the market adjusts. And I feel like it hasn't adjusted yet. No, I, I always say that I would always be willing to draft any player and that includes Leonard Fournette, but my value on Leonard Fournette is a seven, four, eight round pick. That's when I think if he's still on the board there, I'd probably consider, but I know he's never there. So I know realistically I'll never get a share of him. But if he fell to me in the seventh or eighth round, I'd probably put it in. Um, if he does fall to you in the seventh or eighth round, you're playing with Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
Well said, Stocks. Thanks. I don't know. Have you, uh, moving on to our next question, I, one of our great episodes was the tight end debate. And if you haven't listened to it, Pat, I suggest you go back and listen to that one. If that's the only other one you listen to, because it was probably our best episode debate wise for you and I, Murph. Yeah, probably. I'll go with that. Um, talking of tight ends, what's your thoughts on it this year coming? Did you grab a stud in rounds one to three and get one of the, the star players at the position or do you hold and, and wait to, to balance your team later on in the draft? Well, if that episode truly was a debate between the two of you with very, you know, polar opposite strategies, then I'm going to be very wishy-washy and take the middle ground. I I do think either is viable. And uh, I've done two early best ball drafts now. And in one, I took Zach Ertz at the uh, 2-3 turn. It was either last pick of the second round or first pick of the third. I can't remember it doesn't matter I guess uh and in the other I actually waited a bit I was picking 12th and um took a chance on Rob Gronkowski who was still around with the first pick of the eighth round um but I would have had no problem waiting even longer and going with Chris Herndon or uh, Jack Doyle who I think is going to be a good value in leagues this year it all sort of depends on how the draft falls and what the opportunity cost looks like in a given spot, what you'd be giving up by taking a tight end. So flexible on strategy there. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested in all sorts of guys at different levels of production. I, you know, I can see having Kelsey and Ertz on some teams. I can see having OJ Howard or David Njoku on some teams. I can see being very patient and waiting for a Doyle or a Herndon in other leagues. Yeah. I like that. I was a proponent for uh, a late second, early round tight end, but I think it may have slipped a little now. I think there's much more value at other positions than Kelsey or Ertz, for instance. But then Murph and I were in a, a couple of dynasty drafts recently and we took Gronkowski in both and we took him at sort of stupid late rounds, wasn't it? It was. I think we got one that was in like the 10th round of a dynasty draft and one was in like the 11th or the 12th. Oh, man. So, like, really late at this point, it was like, why not? Because everyone had kind of – one of them was a tight end premium league as well. So, we like, once we'd missed out on, like, O.J. Howard in the fourth round, it was like, I don't want to draft anyone else. Like, yeah. I really just don't even want to consider it. Like, we're just, we're just stream the tight end position at this rate because they were just all flying off. And it's just like, we were sitting there picking up absolute studs. I think we got Devontae Freeman in, like, the fifth or sixth round. Like, it was just it was like – we can't not do this. <laughs> I'd rather just like not have the position. Like at one point we could probably consider not taking, and then Gronkowski just kept falling. We're like, oh, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll punt it. Um, we were picking up people like Josh Hill, uh, thinking he might start in New Orleans and Jared Cook, hoping he goes somewhere. And <laughs> that's kind of it. So we're all in on Gronkowski this year. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, in one of those leagues, I think I, took a chance on Demetrius Harris only to have him sign with the Browns last night and be stuck behind the Joku. So that wasn't good, but um, yeah, there might be some surprise places to find tight end value this year. And actually like I'm more interested in Gronkowski this year than I have been in recent years, just because the price was always so high, but I think now everyone's sort of written him off and uh, you know, I don't know if he'll ever get completely healthy again, but what if he's healthier than he was last year? And, uh, you know, I certainly think he still has nine or 10 touchdown upside if uh, they can squeeze 14, 15 games out of him. I agree. I love it. 
that would suit us right down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as it stands today, Friday, what's your first three round draft strategy if you're picking in the top four or or bottom four? So if you're picking the top four or bottom four, does your strategy change much or, or, or does it stay relatively the same? Well, I guess I can answer that now that I've had these best ball drafts and had the number one pick and the number 12 pick in the two. So, um, in fact, I can tell you what I, I did exactly in those. So, uh, in the one where I picked first, I took Saquon. And then coming back, Aaron Jones was still around, and I took him and Ertz. And then in the other one, I started at 12 and took Le'Veon Bell and uh, Joe Mixon on the turn. And then coming back, still got uh, – Kenny Galladay and Robert Woods. So I, I just think there's so much more depth at wide receiver than at running back. So I'm generally trying to hit running back pretty early, um, whether I'm at the top or at the bottom. And, uh, you know, if Aaron Jones had not been on the board in that one league, I think I would not have taken a second running back uh, on the two, three turn, but I think if you've got an opportunity at one of these potential usage monsters, like, uh, you know, maybe some people think Mixon was a reach for me with the first pick of the second round. But, um, you know, I, I do think he's going to be a workhorse run catch dual usage threat for the Bengals this year. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of tried to play it ahead towards the third and fourth round and realized that we're still going to be some good receivers on the board. and. Uh, you know, sure enough, I was pretty happy with the, the Galladay Woods combination. And, you know, there were still other decent wide receivers there who I could have taken in that spot, too. So um, generally, I want to get at least one running back in those first three rounds, for sure, at least one. And then, uh, you know, possibly two and then hit wide receiver pretty hard in the, uh, the rounds beyond the fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah, no doubt. We went running back, running back in both our dynasty leagues, didn't we? Yeah, but we got such good, we got such good value in both. Like um, we ended up getting DJ with the um, in the twelve team league. We got him in the two ten. Oh wow! So it was just like yeah, our running backs are Zeke and DJ in that league, yeah. which is mad. Um, and then in the other league, no, we didn't. We went. Um, Did we take a quarterback? No, we didn't. We took McCaffrey. Then we took Evans. Oh yeah. In a similar spot, I think again it was the I think it was the two oh eight. We took Mike Evans, he slipped down, and then we got um I think we took Geis on the turn. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, I, I like think, that. I think he's gonna be good this year. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And then and then I think we went QB round uh round four and we took Andrew Luck because it was a super flex league. So No, oh, very nice. Good spot to get him. Yeah. yeah DJ and Geis are going to be interesting guys this year is how far do they fall after, uh, you know, maybe less with Geis. I think there'll be some excitement about him, but DJ, obviously people have cold feet. If he was falling to you at, what did you say? 210. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. We couldn't believe it. It just was there. It's like, if he, he fell all the way and we were just like, because people like Mixon went, went well before and it was like DJ fell to then. It was just, how do you not take yeah, it? Yeah. It was, if we didn't even, there were a couple of, picks early on we were kind of thinking we could go this direction that direction that came along it was just an instant yeah, done um it was one of those slow drafts like the eight hours per pick um but luckily it was quite an active league so it wasn't taking that long 
um, during peak time. So it was pretty good. So we were happy to get him in the 210. And we think he's going to return quite well. So. I, I love DJ this year. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury always has good running backs. And he always has running backs that receive the ball a lot, especially in the air raid system. And I just think he's going to be... At 210, we've destroyed the league with that one pick alone, I think. Yeah. But. Right. It was just... With... Mike McCoy having no plan to use DJ in the passing game last year. I mean, that just it completely throttled his value. And, uh, you know, Kingsbury is absolutely going to change that. And, you know, he's going to be used <laughs> so much in the passing game. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a tremendous value in most drafts this year. No, I agree. Perfect. Talking about drafts, should we talk about some rookies coming into the NFL? Where do you think uh, some good landing spots for the following rookies are? So we'll start with uh, Kyler Murray, who we don't think is going number one overall. Well, to Arizona. I don't think he goes to Arizona. Yeah, so I I, I am starting to believe. I, I didn't believe it at first either, but uh, it, it sort of does seem now like Arizona is his destiny. I mean, my guest last week was um, a fellow Pro Football Weekly colleague, Eric Edholm. And, uh, you know, Eric is pretty tuned in. And he said the same thing that he didn't really believe it at first. But now he's heard so many people in the league say it that he kind of thinks that Arizona is going to go with Murray. So um, as, as much as I would love him see, uh, love to see him go to the Raiders, I do think he's going to wind up in Arizona. But um, you know, if I could pick a spot for him, it would be Oakland. You think he's going to Arizona, even though on Wednesday none of the Arizona head coaches, GMs, or owners owners the owner was uh, was at his pro day. Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably still going to have him in for a private workout. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess pro day attendance is not a disqualifying thing when you have the number one pick. And, uh, you know, as long as they do have a, a private workout with him. Now, if they don't, that would certainly be a telltale sign that they're not going to take him. But uh, I, I, I'm sure they're going to bring him into Arizona for a visit. Okay, cool. So what about Murph's boy, Noah Fant? Where can you see him landing? Well, so I guess we have to take the two uh, University of Iowa tight ends together, right? Fant or Hawkerson. And so my, my Packers are definitely thought to be in the running for one of them. And, um, you know, maybe Hawkerson might make more sense for them since they already have Jimmy Graham, who's sort of uh, just a pass catching specialist and not much of a blocker. Whereas Hawkerson is a thought to be sort of a Jason Witten like complete tight end blocking, catching, um, whereas Vance is more like a move tight end who's you know, going to be used creatively in the passing game and not so much as a blocker. Um, tight end has been so important to the Patriots over the years that I could see them making a play for Fance or Hawkerson if either was around with pick 30 or who knows, possibly even moving up. Um, I could see the Jaguars as a possible landing spot for one of them. Um, yeah, I guess those three teams would top the list right now. But you guys, are, you guys are more pro fans than, than Hawkerson. I, I love Noah fan. I, uh, I've watched uh, not just his film, I've watched games of him. Um, I love him as a fantasy prospect. I love him as a player. I just think he's an absolute, I, I, I mean, for me, I love him as much as I loved OJ Howard when he came out of school. 
Um, I know AJ's had a few injuries, but I think he's shown enough of why he was taken in the first round. And I cannot wait for Fant to come into the league. I really hope he gets a good landing spot. It'd be great to have him with Aaron Rodgers. I think would be great. And um, I can think of a few spots for him. I'd be quite excited to see him uh, do his thing. Uh, The Raiders potentially, but it depends on what they do with Jared Cook um, and maybe a couple of others as well. So um, I'm excited for Noah Fant. I think he's going to be electric and he's going to be a real fun, um, fun fantasy player to track for the next few years. What about uh, combine darling DK Metcalf, Pat? I mean, he can't turn at all, but he can run fast in a straight line. Where can you see him landing? Oh, man, I'm so conflicted on this guy. I just, uh, I don't know if he is simply this workout warrior or, you know, I, I don't like seeing a guy who's got that sort of build. Like, I don't want a guy who's that muscled up as a, a wide receiver. So, um you know, my, my Packers do need a wide receiver too. Um, so I, I could see them possibly bringing him in and, and considering him with the, the 12th pick, although I really would not love that choice. Um, you know, even though the Colts signed a, a big physical receiver in Devin Funches, I think they would still maybe be in play for Metcalf. Um Boy, I mean, just off the top of my head for any any wide receivers, I, I think the Colts or Packers, I mean, that's where you would like to see them go if you're a fan of a particular wide receiver, be it Metcalf or uh, Keel Harry or A.J. Brown or any of these guys. But, you know, those would be the ideal destinations paired so, with either Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck. Uh, as a Packers fan, then, which of the top tight ends Sorry, wide receivers coming out of the, the draft, do you fancy the most to, to sit at Green Bay? So with Randall Cobb gone, I would like a guy who can operate out of the slots. And I, I'm kind of fascinated by the idea of, uh, you know, if he would be around maybe for the Packers in the second round with their early second round pick, uh, A.J. Brown, because he was used as sort of a big slot receiver. I think he would be a good mismatch guy. Um but I am also a big Debo Samuel fan. And, uh, you know, I, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, I talked to, um, uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank? The roster watch guy, Alec, Alex Dunlap, who was at the senior ball. And he said Debo Samuel was just incredible, just taking cornerbacks to school all week in Mobile, Alabama at the senior ball practices. So, um, you know, one of those two, maybe Paris Paris Campbell is sort of interesting too. Um, you know, I, th- I think a slot guy early makes more sense for them than an outside receiver. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little wary of Metcalf, so I'm kind of hoping it's not him in the first round. Yeah. What well, about you guys? Do you have a favorite among the wide receiver class? Um, so my favorite is in Keel Harry. Um, I think he offers basically everything you could want out of a receiver and he's not as muscly as uh, DK Metcalf which doesn't make for a great receiver and uh, yeah I think if he went to Green Bay I'd be all over that fantasy wise yeah I I like Nico Harry I I just have this sneaky feeling that he's going to go at the end of the first to the Patriots I could see that too because they they do need a big outside receiver and um, yeah I mean he's in dynasty rookie drafts uh, I don't have any number one picks anywhere, but he is going to be number one on my uh, rookie 
bored, I think. Yeah. I do like JJ. I know he didn't do well at the um, at the combine, but I do like what he can bring. And I know his combine hasn't helped him, but I still think he is someone I'd look at in the second round, going to a high flying offense, uh, and think he can do quite well as well. Yeah, Arcega Whiteside. Um, I, I like him too. I think he's going to be just outside, maybe like seven or eight for me among the rookie wideouts. Like, I think I might even like him a little bit more than uh, um, Kelvin Harmon, which might put me in the minority. But I'm with uh, you 100% on that. Oh, and the other guy, I gotta, I have to mention this guy. And uh, I mean, I might even wind up ranking him uh, after the draft, depending on the landing spot ahead of DK Metcalf, is Andy Isabella. Yeah. I mean, just athletically, I mean, he's fast, he's tough. Um, you know, he, I think there have only been one or two wide receivers who have ever had opposing wide receivers who've ever had 200 receiving yards in a game at Georgia. Uh, and he was one of them doing it with a small school. Um, you know, just, I think they're going to be snobs, especially here in the U S who tend to not like wide receivers from non power conferences, guys who don't come from the sec or the big 10 or, uh, the big 12, but, you know, I, I love Isabella and, uh, you know, I, I can see myself taking him like late in the first round of, of dynasty, dynasty drafts. My, uh, one of my good friends at work in our, in my original dynasty league, he, he was talking to me the other day. He doesn't have a, a rookie pick in this year's, he's traded them all away for players, but he was saying that, um, he really likes Isabella and he's been talking to an American about this Andy Isabella and he doesn't think he's going to be on many people's radars and hopefully he'll still be there at free agency after the rookie draft takes place. And then all of a sudden he turns up at the draft, blasts oh, a huge yeah. combine, sorry, and blasts a huge 40 time and then the world knows about him and all of a sudden he's no longer going to be at the free agency. He's oh fine. yeah, running running a 4.31, uh, the secret is out unfortunately. Fortunately, but uh, <laughs> that's the thing that the small school guys, if he had just somehow not gotten a combine invite, he probably would have been around in like the third round of, of dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, I took all his picks because I, I inherited a team that, wow, it's probably the worst team I've ever inherited. So I, I got rid of all the players that had any tradable asset for picks because um, I had no picks either. <laughs> so I traded for three first round picks this year and, uh, I got back into the first round next year because I had none of those. Um, the guy who <laughs> took my team has absolutely destroyed it. And uh, so I've literally blown it up. <laughs> for picks. So I took all of his picks for players. So I'm, I'm looking forward to drafting Andy Isabella with one of his picks just to add the irony. <laughs> oh, listening, yeah. so. Take uh, that, Joe. Take that. That'll be a cruel twist. <laughs> um, Scott, we've, we've taken up a bit more time than we expected. So just a sort of a couple of... Uh, food takes then and beer takes so you said so you mentioned you like beer in pubs um are you one of these new uh craft beer fans or are you more a fan of your more traditional uh traditional beers and what what sort of your favorite tipple if we're in a pub right now what would you be drinking well that's funny you ask that because i grew up in milwaukee which is uh the home of miller beer which you know one of the two big mass-produced american beers miller and, and budweiser and you know i grew up on miller and um, you know, for a long time, 
being in uh, in my youth and not having a lot of money, I was just happy to drink cheap, uh, mass-produced Miller or something else like, you know, old style or Pabst or some other horrible American beers. But uh, I have definitely turned into someone with a taste for craft beers, and I do like an IPA now. Um, I didn't think I did uh, up until maybe about six, seven years ago, but they have definitely caught my fancy and uh, I do like a good stout. I've got, uh, you know, with St. Patrick's Day just around the corner and being Irish, I just had to stock up on Guinness. Good luck. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, there are very few beers that uh, I would turn down. So, um, you know, I'd like to sample different kinds and, uh, you know, IPA is probably my favorite, but, uh, I have wide ranging tastes and, uh, you know, even a horrible beer other than Budweiser. I just refuse to drink Budweiser, which I think tastes terrible. And, um, you know, plus since that is the rival to Miller, I'm a Miller loyalist. And if I'm going to drink cheap American swill, it's going to be Miller. (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what this is gonna i was a publican for nine years pat and i looked after brewed beer and clean beer and and looked after made sure i always served the best beer in town etc my favorite lager of all time is mgd that, no, honestly, really? i'm not even saying that because you're on uh genuinely me and me me and my best friends best man at my wedding we single-handedly absolutely love mgd uh it's just absolutely brilliant um i just can I, I can't get enough of it and we actually went away in uh october um to a little place in the south of england uh it's called rise like quite a pretty old historic village and there was a supermarket around the corner and they were selling cases of mgd for 12 pounds which is cheap as anything in in this country for that so uh, we ended up buying like six cases of the stuff and carted it back home and because uh, <laughs> you can't find it anywhere as much as you used to but that's uh that's my his absolute favorite lager again but cheap sort of american beer but just i love it so clean and fresh so um i'm not a big ipa guy it's not my favorite thing to drink but i'll definitely join the the stouts with you and if you ever get over to to england then we'll definitely uh, i'll introduce you some good london style stouts that are uh, top notch oh excellent yeah, you are more than welcome anytime pat if you ever make it over just hit us up and uh we'll take you out for a few beers well, that might be possible because in my day job, my uh, company is a London sales office and the uh, the girls in the London sales office are always telling me I need to come over there and visit them. So one of these days, guys, we will definitely hit the pubs together. Love that, especially uh, if it's in London town, it's where I work. So I know a good few watering holes with plenty of different beers you can get on tap. Excellent. Maybe they'll even have some MGD for us. Yeah. I don't think you'll see it on draft anywhere, but I'll try and find the source of bottles and we can drink some after hours. Outstanding. <laughs> Pat, it's been a, a blast. Uh, conscious you got to get back to the day job, but um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your articles and uh, your amazing podcast? Oh, Murph and Stocks, thanks so much for having me. Great to be on with you guys. Great to talk to you finally. And um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Fitz. F-I-T-Z underscore F-F. Or uh, you can find my fantasy rankings, which I hope to have updated by about this time tomorrow at uh, thefootballgirl.com. I am not the football girl, as you might have gathered, but uh, I work with uh, the football girl, Melissa Jacobs, and uh, her site 
she has been kind enough to host my articles and my fantasy rankings. So, um, and, you know, during the season, I'll also do some stuff for CBS Sportsline. And, uh, you know, that's a subscription site, but worth the money, I think. There's some good contributors there. So, uh, yeah, and uh, the podcast just fits on fantasy, and uh, it's available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Amazing. Definitely give it a listen. Yeah, for I sure. recommend it more. Um, really good guests, really good topics. And if you want to be winning leagues, that's uh, one of the podcasts I recommend you you get your strategy and tips from because they have the best in the business on so yep right Pat thank you so much for coming on hopefully we can uh, do this again in the near future I hope so too gentlemen thank you again and we'll talk to you real soon right Murph it's been a pleasure I will see you next week Rush Nation have a great weekend but until next week keep rushing HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.